Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Justin, Lauren, Lucy and Jess. Why don't we just cover all our roads with solar panels and maybe we've yet to power our cities? How to explore deep beneath the ice on another planet? Plus, we discuss the ethics of robots acting on their own in terms of art installations and ordering things off the internet. Plus, the ethics of driverless cars. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. In a world where almost everything nowadays is powered by some form of computer or electrical device, we become ever more reliant on electricity. And electricity powers our very world that we live in, our mobile phones, our houses, our heating, our cooling, our powering our water supply, and our cars. And getting a sustainable source of electricity is one of the major challenges for civilization. Now, we have a lot of flat surfaces around, and we don't really do very much with them. We, we just mostly drive on them or, or walk on them. So what if we turn those into solar panels? I mean, why not? We've got these massive, large, flat surfaces that are otherwise just reflecting valuable and useful sunlight back into the atmosphere and heating up our planet. So why don't we put them to work for us? And this is the idea put forward by a company in the Netherlands, a public-private partnership called Solar Road. It's a 3.5 million euro project to turn a series of roads in the Netherlands into solar panels and yet still have them function as everyday roads. So this project has been going on for a three-year period so far, and they're in the pilot phase, the initial phases of it. And the road itself is about 70 metres long, and it consists of varying types of designs and styles of solar panels, all underneath the road surface that's perfectly navigable, resistant to weather and wear, and pressure from things like bikes, motorbikes, cars, and pedestrians. And is being used to study how much energy this so-called road could generate. So since it went online in December 2014, they've actually managed to generate a large amount of electricity already. So for reference, the average Australian house uses about 17 kilowatt hours per day. So overall, this road is at the moment, even in its pilot stage, is generating about 3,000 kilowatts for the six months it's been running so far, which equates to about 16.5 kilowatt hours per day. And that's effectively the average Australian household usage for this 70 metres of road. Now, obviously, this is a pilot trial, so there's a lot of things that can be improved upon and made into a more feasible amount. But that, you know, about 70 metres of road, even in a basic form, is enough to power an Australian home. Now, we thought about all the driveways and road surfaces just outside our house. that You could basically, in a street block, cover enough for the whole block just by covering the roads and footpaths in this material. Now, what exactly is this material? There's a couple of different ideas, and they're basically different types of solar cells laminated and protected to insulate it from the weather and where. But, you know, they're doing it in the Netherlands, and this is in Northern Europe, and it is a place that fluctuates in weather quite a lot and does have snow and a lot of other cold things. And they started in December, so not the warmest time of the year. And what they found is that in the transition from December, winter, to spring in 2015, that small section had actually delaminated, so it actually came apart, mostly due to the temperature fluctuations causing different parts of the materials involved to expand and contract and just come apart a little bit. But obviously these are teething projects and uh, teething issues that can be sorted out in time. Overall, 
the company is responsible for Solar Road, a public-private partnership in the province of North Holland. Um, will hopefully improve on this, lay more of this solar road, and really expand out to greatly provide electricity to power not only that small village, but back into the grid and thus helping save the planet. Maybe one day in Australia, with our very hot roads and a lot of sunlight, we can implement the same sort of thing and give us enough electricity to run our new robotic smart cars. which all involve human life. But the intention there is to keep people safe, but it can still kill in some circumstances. To keep it simpler, there was a recent um, art installation where they made, where they caught a computer, they gave it like freedom of will to go and buy a whole bunch of things off the internet, and it bought a whole bunch of illegal things off like the dark internet. Did it create um, a crime? Yeah. Do we blame the people who created it because they created it and gave it that freedom? Do we sue the robot and like put the robot in jail? Like, what happens here? <laughs> <laughs> I think it really depends on what the art installation people did with the illegal stuff that the robot then bought. They just put it out for, like, they beca- it, it became an installation piece. Because they were displaying what the robot bought. Okay. Well, that's what the program bought, is what they were displaying. That, that's a bit better than being like, oh no, the robot bought us a lot drugs. <laughs> Not us, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> but you're taking them right now. No, no, the robot took them. What are you talking about? We're injecting the robot right now. Yes, um, and that is a really good point. I mean, and I think in a lot of crime, you actually have, um, the, despite the fact that you hire a hitman to do the job for you, you're still responsible. So, the robot is in the similar acting, acting as a means to an end rather than the end itself. So I think we covered that one, but it's a really interesting <laughs> point. But with the cars. So if you hire a hitman to kill someone, the hitman is in trouble for murdering someone, yes. But you are also just as in trouble for hiring a hitman to kill someone. Because it's the presence of mind of committing murder. But with this art installation piece, they gave the computer free will, not... Well, they didn't actually give the computer free will, but you just don't have... Programs don't have free free will at this point. All they did was program a computer to buy things. And And it bought illegal stuff, and and so the robots obviously bought the illegal thing, but in this case... It's only fulfilling a thing that is designed or requested to do, to an extent. They said randomly do stuff, but we've included in your random list of options illegal stuff. It's still the same thing, to I an extent. Slightly different thing because with a hitman, you hire them for the explicit purpose. Explicit yes. Of Obviously not as bad. <laughs> Obviously not as bad, but in principle the same. You are responsible for the thing that is done something illegal. I would have been more amused at the um, robot who hired a hitman. Well, it could if it's using the dark web to do stuff. It could have hired a hitman using bitcoins or Dogecoin. Can we we implicate a creator for something that a creation does if the creation's design is... Inherently random? Yes, inherently dangerous. So if if you have a machine, right, that does nothing but swing a big arm around like this in a circular motion around your head, it's not 
if Bart's just swinging his arms like that, it's not Lisa's fault if he gets in her way. And if she's standing in front of him kicking, it's not his Bart's fault if he gets kicked. If you take Wait, a really simplistic... No, the argument was the opposite of that, wasn't it? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So it's, if you take a really simplistic view of the law, then you say each of these things are doing stuff that is not inherently designed to inflict pain. It just happens to cause an accident. Then shouldn't I be fine? Well, that's where the intent and the motive and the uh, so the intent and the means and the responsibility comes into. So when you do a job, so if I'm an engineer, so if I design something and it goes out of control and kills someone, I am responsible because I made it. So I could be sued. You can't sue the car, or you can if something went wrong in the car that caused it to explode. Then whoever made that part that exploded is responsible. But as the company who sold you that car, I would also be partly responsible. And if I was the designer of that car, then I would also be partly responsible for not taking enough steps to prevent the explosion. So we kind of have this process of actually assigning responsibility out to it. The interesting part is about when the robots themselves have to try and make that values judgment of, if I'm going along and there's a car in front of me that suddenly stops, but I'm going really fast. I know if I crash, if I apply all the brakes now and I'll, I'll cause a collision with the other car, that's okay, that's going to cause damage to both that car and me and people inside my car, which is bad. Um, if I do a big swervy thing, okay, I'll dodge that car and I'll avoid the accident, great, but then I might hit a post, okay, and then that will hurt the people inside my car. But it hasn't damaged the other car, so isn't that good? Okay, maybe that. Or maybe there's someone near that post and I might hit them instead. And so then you have the robot trying to make the decision about what the safest thing to do is with the least amount of blame. And that's really interesting. Um, also, it would be very fun as the insurance claim. Because then you have to figure out, well, who's responsible? Is it my car insurance or is it your car insurance or is it the lamppost insurance? Or is it Google who was controlling the car with its Google car program responsible? So it's going to be one of the really interesting things that we have to solve before we have autonomous cars. And they're facing the same problems as autonomous weapons in war effects. Where does the responsibility lie? And if we pass on the responsibility to someone else, does that just mean we're off scot free? Or do we actually have to take responsibility for our actions, even if that action is to say, you go to the thing, car, go drive me to the place, or robots go fight a war for me. We still have to take responsibility that initial action, even though it might be further and further removed from us. Now, if you're like me, you long for the day that we explore the universe, in particular some of the most interesting places that might be harbouring life. The idea that maybe one day we'll find out if we are truly alone in this universe. And in our solar system we actually have a few places that could very likely contain life. Except it's really hard to tell from here because they're underneath a near impenetrable layer of thick ice. I'm of course talking about Jupiter's moon Europa, which has a hydrocarbon sea and thick ice underneath uh, or the top of it which is blocking us from getting to it but we know underneath it there's a very miles deep ocean which is actually being warmed by the tectonic activity underneath it so it's actually quite plausible that there would be life 
in that hydrocarbon ocean. So how do you explore it? Well, first you need to get that through that thick layer of ice, and then you need to traverse around an ocean. And what better way to design a space probe to explore an ocean than taking one of the best designs that already explores deep, cold areas of our own oceans and adapting that for space? So engineers from Cornell University in the United States have been recently awarded a grant from NASA's Advanced Innovative Concepts Group to actually explore building a squid-like robot. Now this super intergalactic, well not intergalactic, interplanetary squid will be exploring underneath the water and they're actually building a, a mock-up of this and modeling and designing it fully for something that could potentially be explored and used by a Europa mission. Ideally, they want to build a soft robot that can behave like a fish with tentacle-like structures that can serve as electrodynamic tethers. Um, they would actually like to harvest electricity because they'll be below the ocean, this ice shelf, they actually can't get solar power. And anyway, the sun will be pretty weak out there. So they're instead trying to actually use electromagnetic energy and electromagnetic fields to actually be harnessed. Um, now, what they're actually going to use is also give it a bit of a lamprey-like feature, those big worms with those amazing rows of teeth. So it can actually chew through the ice and any obstacles in its way, which is an ingenious way. So when we don't have wheels to make our conventional rovers like Spirit and Opportunity, we'll just turn to squids and lampreys in order to explore with the next generation of space probes headed for Europa. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we talked about driverless cars and ethics of online robots, plus we talked about covering our rented solar panels and exploring deep beneath the ice caps of Europa with a squid robot. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.